the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 945. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. In studio with me, my wife, Alexandra. Joining us today. Now we consider these last days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we consider these broadcasts to be some of the most important we have ever done. We've been speaking with you about this prayer of faith and how it operates. And how we're to pray for revival. And how we are to pray that God will come in great power. Well, Today we want to move the focus in part two of the prayer of faith to the actual functioning work that the Holy Spirit does in in us and for us. And we also want to look at what we do in our culture that blocks the Holy Spirit and causes us to be powerless in the face of the devil and in the face of the culture that we're part of. So let me read for you first the scripture found in Romans the 8th chapter. I'm going to begin reading for you in Romans 8, verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. There is a very close relationship that must be found between this groaning of the Spirit for us. And we need to understand how the Spirit of prayer begins to function in our lives so that we don't grieve this mighty Holy Spirit. Because without Him, we can't pray. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't pray the prayer of faith. So you may not catch on quickly to what's being said today, 
But please listen very carefully. It will be a cumulative effect on your heart and your mind. And then at the end, it will all become absolutely clear. So let's begin. Yes, so we begin. This text shows us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints. It says he makes intercession for us. He helps our infirmities or our weaknesses when we don't know what to pray for. He helps us to pray according to the will of God. Or in other words, the Holy Spirit leads us when we don't know what to pray for. And you'll notice that it says he does this for the saints. So in other words, for those who have been made holy, for those who have left their sin and have set themselves to be people of prayer. So this raises the question, well, why do we need this influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, we see in the text, it says, because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. So in other words, it's because of our ignorance. We either don't know what the will of God is, uh, we perhaps read the Bible but don't understand what we see there, or we may be facing a situation where we're not sure what the will of God is for that particular situation. And so we need the Holy Spirit to intercede for us in these cases. Now, I want to I want to give you two different scenarios. The Holy Spirit comes to struggle with a man or a woman who has not left their sin. And he comes to bring conviction and judgment. He comes to turn your heart away from your sin. And if your heart has not turned away from sin, the Holy Spirit cannot pray through you the prayer of faith. He's only going to pray that prayer of faith through a man or woman who is clean, who is washed in the blood, who is made whole. So we have two sides. I want to be clear what we're talking about today. Today we're not going to speak about the sinner who needs to repent and turn from their sin. We're going to speak instead to those of you precious in the sight of the Lord who have left your sin and now need the Holy Spirit to come and begin to directly intercede for you. Now we're going to speak about how he begins to do that in your heart and in your life. Yes, so the question Ray just asked is how does the Holy Spirit actually make this intercession for us? Does he just override our minds so that we don't even know what's happening? No, he doesn't supersede our faculties. So instead, the Holy Spirit moves our minds and our feelings. He excites us, and that is how he guides us in prayer. Sometimes people may have an experience where they feel as if what they're saying is dictated to them. But that's not the only way in which the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Sometimes all you'll feel is just a movement of your mind. So, for example, the Holy Spirit will enlighten our mind about the truths of Scripture. And he'll make the truth take hold 
in our souls. So, for example, the Holy Spirit will lead us to consider the state of the church, to consider the condition of the sinners who are all around us. And the way that he does this, we don't know exactly the operation of the Holy Spirit, but we do know that he leads us to a deep consideration of the state of the church and the state of the lost. And as a result, we have deep feeling about it. So let me give an example. When someone, so when you have a sinner who comes into contact with the gospel and with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is bringing the truth before that person's mind. And the only way that he could keep from having feelings about that would be if he turned his thoughts away to other things. So what will sometimes happen, so sinners, when the Spirit of God brings the truth to them, they will feel. They feel convicted, they feel guilty, they feel wrong, as long as they remain impenitent. So... Sometimes sinners will respond to that by repenting, and sometimes they'll respond to it by blowing it off. So that's the same type of thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes to a Christian and brings the state of the church and the state of the lost before their mind. They're going to have some kind of feeling. Just like if you put your hand in the fire, you would have, you would have a feeling. You'd have a pretty strong feeling. So, if you find that you can look at sinners all around you and it doesn't bother you, that they are literally, as Jonathan Edwards said, walking over a rotten covering, liable to fall into hell at any moment, that's a red flag for you, that you don't have a love for souls, and that the Spirit of Christ is not working in you. So the, the first thing the Holy Spirit does is to bring our minds in contact with the truth, and that generates feeling. And as a result of that, we begin to feel the value of souls. We see that each person is created in the image of God, that Christ died for those people. And so we see how valuable they are to God. And then at the same time, in contrast to that, we see their guilt and their danger as long as they cont continue to sin. So what sometimes happens, which is very distressing, is that you'll meet Christian parents whose children are utterly lost. And it seems as if the parents don't have any feelings at all. Now, why is that? Why can a Christian parent watch their children run after the video games, curse, be wrestling and hitting each other, and not worry about it. Well, the reason is because the parents are blind to the reality of hell. They don't truly believe what the Bible is saying about hell, and they don't really believe that their children are destined to go there. And they're also ignorant of the promises of God to save their children if they will be faithful Christians. So as a result of all this, the Spirit of God is grieved, and these parents are not in a position where they can offer the prayer of faith for the salvation of their children. So we see, third, that the Holy Spirit 
leads us to understand the promises of scripture and to pray the promises of scripture. So I'm sure if you were converted, that when you first became a Christian, you probably were very excited about reading the Bible, but you didn't understand a lot of what you read. And then as you continued to grow in your faith, as you had experience in prayer, as you had experience in the scripture, you found that the Holy Spirit was giving you understanding about passages that previously you just read it and you were like, I have no idea what that means. And then all of a sudden, this passage that you're like, what does that mean? Becomes an amazing promise for revival because the Holy Spirit has opened that to you. So it's important that we have the agency of the Holy Spirit for this because if we don't we will overlook the promises of scripture we just won't understand it and the fact that it's been 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Christ and wickedness is still prevailing worldwide to such an extent is largely because Christians we have not taken a full grasp of the promises of God and the scripture Because if we had taken that grasp and we had moved by the Spirit, really pressed in in prayer, we would be a much more righteous country and our world would be much more righteous than what we see today. Now, what often happens when those who claim to be Christian begin to pray for their children there's no foundation of faith for them to pray. And so they'll pray once in a while, but there's no conviction, there's no passion, there's no assurance that God will, in fact, answer their cry. And so they pray for a little, and then their prayers dissipate, and they begin to pray then for something else. And so prayer becomes a very selfish thing. The Holy Spirit comes in the spirit of prayer in order to guide his people and to instruct them to bring things to remembrance in their mind so that they can remain focused on what God has called them to do. So what Pastor Ray is describing is sometimes when you begin to pray for a specific situation, for example, a parent begins to pray for their children and you kind of feel like you're in the dark. You don't know whether God will answer you or not because you haven't grabbed hold of a scripture. You haven't gotten a promise of God made alive to you. But if you continue to pray and you continue to seek, the Holy Spirit will give you that revelation and then you'll Pray through, as the old timer said, and then you'll know that God has heard you. And then your children will be converted. And in the case of our children, it's very clear in the scripture that it is the will of Jesus to save our children. Yes. It is the will of God to save your mother, your father. It is his will to save. And so we have a very firm foundation upon which to pray. The danger is, if we have put aside our feelings and let them be drained away by many other activities so that the other things become paramount in our mind, 
we will give up praying for our children because the passion has been drained away. This is the grave danger, and it is this that the Holy Spirit comes to create a desire and to keep calling us back in that spirit of prayer to cry out for what he desires for us. And so he intercedes with groans for us. And what he wants to do is bring those groans into our hearts so that we begin to groan with him. How could we live if our children are lost? I don't want to go to heaven without my daughters, without my family members. I want them to be there. I don't know how I could face dad and and dad say, Ray... Where are your daughters? Didn't you have grandchildren? Where are they? Did you not pray for them, Ray? I remember so many times listening to my father in private prayer in his bedroom with the door closed, and I would stand at the door and listen as he prayed for Raymond, as he prayed for me. It had a profound influence on my life. Now, there are times when the Spirit will lead a Christian to pray where there is nothing specifically said in the Word of God about it. As we pray for revival, we are very clear there is a biblical basis for us to pray for revival. But we are also praying for a specific location where we can center the work of God. And he's promised that he would bring that to us. And so in our private prayer, we are focused on what God has told us to pray for by his spirit without a scripture to support it. Oh, there are many general promises that we can stand on and we do. But he's also given us very specific promises. Now, this is for the mature. The Holy Spirit will quicken a promise to you. So you don't throw every promise in Scripture at that issue that you're to pray for or that change that you're to pray for. You stand on the promise he gives you for that situation. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. That was a promise for a very specific time for me. But today, he has not given me that specific promise for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Instead, he has given me Luke, the 11th chapter. So I stand on the promise he gives to me. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't start praying if you don't have a promise. You should start praying. And ask for a promise. And ask for a promise. And, you know, as you continue to pray and continue to read, the Holy Spirit will give you that promise. So to to sum up what we've shared so far, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us by leading our mind to really deeply think about a specific person, 
revival in a specific place, about some specific object, he leads us to really consider that situation, to see its value, and to have feelings about it. And this drives us to prayer, and as we've been speaking about, to travail in prayer, to travail in birth, until the person is actually converted, until revival actually comes, and so forth. So I hope what you're hearing is that if you do not allow the Holy Spirit to fix your attention, your mind, your feelings on what he is calling you to deal with, you will grieve him from your heart. You will dissipate your your feelings. Oh, let's go bowling tonight. Oh, let's go do this. Oh, let's go do that. It may be perfectly fine things. Yes, so what's important here is that there are many distractions that are not sinful. So you can be born again. You can be converted. You can have left your sin, but you distract yourself with eating out, with watching Christian films, with watching sermons, with listening to the radio, with reading Christian books with feeding the birds, with petting your cat, with cooking elaborate meals. There's all sorts of things you can do that aren't sinful. But if that's the main stuff of your life, you're not giving the time for the Holy Spirit to actually get a hold of your mind and to lead you to think about the dire condition of the church and of the lost. Because if if the Lord by his Spirit leads you to be concerned about an individual or a condition. The inference from Scripture is that God desires to move in that situation. But in that, in that situation, we have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit continue to shape the state of our mind and our thoughts and cause us to focus in the scripture so that we are then led by the spirit to pray based on the work of the Holy Spirit knowing that God is prepared to bless whatever that situation is if I'm willing to stay focused and pray and not turn aside so yesterday one of the ways that we shared that you could obtain evidence to offer the prayer of faith was the providence of God. So I wanted to share one example of what this looks like. So one of the ways the Holy Spirit intercedes for us is to give us the spiritual discernment regarding specific circumstances to recognize in them the providence of God. So as one example, there was a woman in New Jersey who there had previously been a revival in where she lived and she was positive that there was going to be another revival. So she went to her minister and she wanted to have what she called conference meetings appointed. But the ministers and the elders in the church didn't see any indication that there would be revival. They said, why should we start these conference meetings? We're not going to do it. So the woman seeing that she would not be able to convince these ministers to change their mind because they didn't have that leading of the spirit to see that revival was coming, 
she went to a carpenter and had the carpenter make seats for her and said, I'm going to have the meetings in my house because I know that God is going to send revival. She was certain about it. And almost as soon as she opened the door, opened the doors of her home to start having meetings, the spirit of God came down in great power and woke up the whole church and brought in many convicted sinners from the community. And what, so what did the people say who didn't see this coming? They said, surely the Lord is in this place and we knew it not. Genesis twenty-eight sixteen. So the reason why this woman in New Jersey could understand that it was God's will to send revival at that time wasn't because she had greater wisdom than they did, but it was because the Spirit of God had led her to see that it was his will to bring revival at that time. And that isn't even necessarily like through a vision or a dream. It can just be you have the spiritual awareness to see multiple circumstances converging together to a single point and that gives you a confident expectation that God is willing at that time to bring revival. But this was a woman who had spent her time in the prayer closet and she was not prophetic but she had a spirit of discernment and she could see what God wanted to accomplish because she was focused and filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit and he was moving in her and so she was willing to go to any lengths necessary to open the way for the Holy Spirit to come in power. I love that story. I love it too. She said, if the ministers aren't going to get on board, I'm going to have a revival in my house. <laughs> Amen. Makes me want to open my house for revival meetings. <laughs> yes. So this raises the question, as we've said before, how are we supposed to know that the Holy Spirit is influencing us? What's the degree of his influence? So we saw in the text we read, again, our opening text was Romans 8, 26 and 27, and then also 28, it says that the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered or with groans that can't be expressed in words. So this is sometimes why you hear of prayer meetings like with Father Nash, where he and the others he was praying with would literally just lie on the floor and groan because they were so full in their souls of this incredible desire that they couldn't even speak. Now, it doesn't always come to that, but we can expect that the Holy Spirit will pretty much give us as much influence as we can physically bear. That's what I'm trying to say. He's not going to just give us a little bit and then leave us on our own, but he's going to he's willing to pour out as much of the spirit of prayer as we can actually handle. So it's important as you are seeking this influence of the Holy Spirit not to cause yourself to stumble by thinking that you need to feel some kind of like direct physical contact in your mind with the Holy Spirit. So most of the time the Spirit speaks to us by leading our minds. So for example, if you are walking around town 
and you're just walking by people on the sidewalk and you're like looking at these people and you're thinking how do I speak to them I'm so concerned because are any of them even saved how could I bring any of these people to Jesus you go home and you start to pray and then you're like well why do I feel this way well the reason you feel that way is because of the Holy Spirit is influencing you to feel that way the devil does not want you to feel that way the only person who would actually care about the salvation of the lost is Jesus Christ so the fact that you're feeling that way is evidence that the Spirit of God is speaking to you so as we said it's important that you cherish these feelings and these thoughts and these desires that you have while you have them and don't grieve the Holy Spirit away by thinking oh I haven't received the Holy Spirit he's not speaking to me there's no way I can pray no this is this is a good starting point for you to press in more if you're feeling that way well in all of this let's come back how is our mind stirred up the Holy Spirit stirs it up but how does he do it by focusing our attention by focusing our attention on the truth so that we begin to think about the truth we begin to study the scriptures about the truth and we're not turned aside by some foolishness the spirit of god comes and he calls us to pray and as we're faithful in beginning to pray what he calls us to pray there should be a great outflowing of energy if you are going through a rote cold prayer the presence of God is not leading you and you need to carefully examine is this just something I think I have a duty to pray and so I'll pray tonight or is there the presence of the Holy Spirit quickening you increasing your desire this is what the Holy Spirit does now how do we get this Holy Spirit yes so God has promised to give us this influence of the Holy Spirit as we just mentioned earlier in the broadcast we have the promise in Luke eleven thirteen, where Jesus says if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more shall your heavenly father give the holy spirit to them that ask him now perhaps you're saying well i've prayed and i'm not feeling anything well okay this may ha be a problem with your motive for praying so james 4 3 says ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts so in other words, you have to make sure that you're not praying from a selfish motive. You don't want to pray for the Holy Spirit because you think that, okay, once I receive the Holy Spirit, I'll be happy. Or once I receive the Holy Spirit, I won't be in pain anymore. Or the suffering will stop. Or my life will improve. Or God will deliver me from my financial distress. Those are all selfish motives. So the reason we pray for this Holy Spirit is to be more useful to God to advance his kingdom, to bring glory to his name for the salvation of the lost, we have to have a godly motive in asking for the Holy Spirit. 
So the first thing is we pray for the influence of the Holy Spirit. But then we also want to make sure that we're keeping our attention fixed on what we're praying for. So what I mean by this is you don't want to pray for the Holy Spirit and then you get up and you go bowling. Or pray for the Holy Spirit and then you go watch television. Pray for the Holy Spirit and then hop on Facebook. Okay? You need to actually stay focused on what you're praying for. And the way that you do that is by looking at the scriptures and focusing in on those passages and you'll see this a lot in the Old Testament prophets, especially like Isaiah and Ezekiel and parts of the New Testament, like Romans 1. You want to focus in on those passages that speak about the condition of the world without Christ. Let's ask a question. How is a sinner convicted of his sin? Well, obviously, the Holy Spirit brings conviction to him. But how does that operate? Well, his sins begin to come up before his mind. Yes. He begins to think about his sins, and he begins to consider the impact of what he's doing on his own life and on his family's life and on friends. Yes. He begins to consider the damage he is doing. Yes. So a man is chewing tobacco. He's confronted by friends with that sin. Will he turn aside from that? No. Not until he begins to think about and focus his attention on why am I doing this? What am I getting out of it? And not just that, but how is it affecting others? How is it affecting me financially, spiritually? All kinds of considerations. Yes. But if we go through life thoughtless, simply responding to the impulse of the moment, if we're not willing to look at the bitterness of our own heart, the anger of our spirit, and we justify ourselves, the conviction of sin will be no longer with that sinner person. Yes, and so the reason you're sharing this, I presume, is because you're using it as an illustration. So just as what Pastor is saying is the way a sinner obtains conviction over his sins, he has to actually think about his sin. Now, similarly, the way that a Christian starts to have deep feelings in prayer is by actually thinking about the lost and thinking about, okay, God called the church to be holy and blameless and without spot. Now, when I go to my church on Sunday, my church on Sunday isn't holy and blameless and without spot. I hear parents yelling at their children in the parking lot. I hear people cursing. I know that one of the deacons is having an affair, right? So you think about, okay, this is what the word of God says it's supposed to be. And this is what's actually happening and if you have set your heart to love God, to love him first, and you witness this going on, you're going to be distressed. And that distress you need to take to the prayer closet. Don't just blow it off. Don't try to numb yourself out and make yourself feel better. You need to take it to the prayer closet and let the spirit of God guide you 
in prayer so that you can actually get a victory in the prayer closet and see these things begin to change. But you see, if if I'm walking in sin also, then I excuse the other sinners. And then we settle into a church where it's okay to sin and we're saved anyway. And now we have been taught a theology that totally destroys the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart. For you cannot think deeply and become concerned about another man or woman's sin if you're walking in sin as well. How can you possibly be concerned about them when you're not concerned about your own condition before God? And so, many Christians have lost all concern for the lost and have settled into a dead state of lukewarmness. And this is why Jesus said in Revelation, the third chapter, I'm going to spit them or vomit them out of my mouth. In other words, they make me sick. Yes, but it can also happen that a person can truly be born again and leave their sin, but because they've never cherished these feelings of the Holy Spirit, they've never considered that the other people in their church could be lost, or if they have had feelings, they've kind of numbed them out, they still won't have a spirit of prayer. So that's what I'm saying is if you're walking in sin, you're obviously not in a place to pray this way but you can be you can be a saved born again person who is free from sin but you can still grieve away the influence of the holy spirit in prayer if you distract yourself or if you don't want to here's the thing this kind of prayer is painful and if you're like i don't want to deal with having a painful prayer time every day i'm just gonna you know watch a christian movie that's that's not going to bring the kingdom of God on the earth. And that's not going to save the lukewarm people in your church. It's not going to save your kids. It's not going to save your family members. So it's really important that you don't just settle in and think, okay, well, I'm saved. I know I was saved. Well, you know, God, God can't really expect me to save anybody else. That's not true. Well, let me try to say something. And I don't mean to be condemning. If you do not pray the prayer of faith in your life, you are either a sinner needing to be saved, or you have left your sin, but will soon be headed back into it. Or you'll go into a cold, dead formalism. And that is backsliding. Yes, because then there's no love in your heart. What we're talking about is the natural progression of a man or woman who walks in righteousness and then begins to hear the Spirit of God and begins to pray the prayer of faith for the lost and the dying, begins to weep over their condition. If that's not happening in your life, we ask you, please, get in the prayer closet and begin to examine what is really going on in your life and in your heart. And to just confess it to God. He's willing to forgive you. I mean, I understand because I've never heard anyone teach on this stuff. So, you know, don't beat yourself up over it, but you do need to just, you know, get on your knees or your face or however you pray and 
and just confess that you haven't given yourself to prayer this way. And that shows that you haven't had the love of Christ in your heart, that you haven't cherished it. Because if you did, how could you keep from praying this way? And, you know, we're dealing with this so carefully today because we want to make it very plain to you. We want to make it very plain to you. We do not want you to grieve the Holy Spirit from your heart and from your life. We want you to have the right idea or concept of the Holy Spirit that you cannot avail anything without him. So in other words, preaching, witnessing, radio ministry, none of this is going to convert anybody without prayer. So if Jesus were to come and he came to preach to sinners, not one sinner would be converted without the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus said, I can do nothing without the Father. And he, until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, he had no ministry. He didn't save anyone. No one was saved. He didn't call any disciples. So we need the Holy Spirit and we need to understand that he wants to move in us, but he wants us to pay attention to him. Now, quickly, we're reviewing how shall we get the influence of the Holy Spirit. So first is by praying for the influence of the Holy Spirit, which God has promised us in Luke eleven thirteen. Secondly, is by focusing our mind in the scriptures on the actual state of the church and of the lost who are around us. Third, we have to watch in our prayers. So in other words, we pray and then we keep a lookout for God to answer. And fourth, we have to aim to perfectly obey God. We have to actually have it set in our heart that we are going to seriously aim at living a sinless life. So we have no fellowship with sin. Yes. We have turned aside from it totally and completely. We are walking clean by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And any sin that would come into our heart would cause us intense grief. Yes. And if you don't aim to live this way, that's basically the same as saying that you intend to sin. And you can't pray and intercede for the lost and for holiness to come if you yourself are not walking in holiness. Now, again, let me just say it straight up. If you're still walking in sin and the Holy Spirit is still struggling with you to get you to finally come through, you're not saved. You're lost. You were not born from above. This is not a long process. It's instantaneous. It's a decision I make. I am leaving all sin. I am cutting it off. And I will serve Jesus Christ from this day forward. And it is a total submission of my heart and my life. The very next step is to begin to allow the Holy Spirit 
full access to my thoughts and my feelings and my ways so that I begin to look at everyone around me and say, Holy Spirit, who do you want to save? Yes, and I just want to emphasize here, we hear a lot about, you know, the need of the Holy Spirit in conversion. We understand that God's grace is needed for a person to be saved, but we don't want to say, okay, I know I've been saved, but then leave our dependence on Christ. So we continually need to depend on the influence of the Holy Spirit as we pray. So what I'm trying to say is we will not pray the way God wants us to pray unless we have the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so we shouldn't, it's, it's just pride and self-reliance to think that we can pray in a way that pleases God without the Holy Spirit. So the scripture calls this faith, which is the operation of God. And as we've said, the Holy Spirit gives us evidence and he causes faith to rise up in our heart to actually believe for that specific thing we are praying for and to just stand on it where we know God is going to answer. Just like the woman in New Jersey who was so certain a revival was coming that she said, I'm going to have the meetings in my house. Now, I pray for, for only one reason. I pray because I expect an answer. Yes, and it's important to keep praying until you actually obtain the answer. The words prayer is not practicing yoga. Yes. It's not meditating to clear my mind so that I'll feel better and have a better day. I pray because I need the answer from heaven. Yes, Reese Howells would say prayer means answer. It's that simple. <laughs> yes. So keep praying until God answers you. Don't give up. Well, we're almost out of time today. Let's review. What would you like to share? I'm trying to collect my thoughts. So as we've shared, we've shared in this broadcast how to obtain the influence of the Holy Spirit through prayer through giving him the time in the prayer closet to lead your mind, through living a holy life, through persevering in prayer. And what I've come to understand as we've been praying for the Holy Spirit, we have a brother who described it this way. He said, right now it's like I'm an AM radio. Sometimes I'm dialed in, sometimes I'm dialed out. And so as we pray for this influence of the Holy Spirit, as we pray for the full Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit, what I'm coming to understand is that this, what we're describing, instead of just being something that happens sometimes, it will become the normal, my normal prayer life. So right now, I am sometimes able to offer the prayer of faith, but then other times I pray and I'm not sure. But I'm understanding that this baptism of the Holy Spirit does this work in us so that we live this way, that this becomes how we live as a person, of, as, as a man or a woman of prayer. And we may be asked the question, what about the common book of prayer? What about form prayers? I don't know of anything more calculated to destroy a person's ability to pray than formal form prayers. 
they are an abomination in the Spirit of God. They grieve the Spirit of God, and they are utterly without value if you're going to walk in the Spirit of the living God. Would you agree with that? Yes, and I would say if that is because we, what we've been talking about is this leading of the Holy Spirit of our minds. And so if the Holy Spirit isn't leading our minds that way and we're just reading something out of a book, we don't have the influence of the Spirit. The other thing is that prayer isn't just words, but it's this mental, it's like meditation, it's the feelings, it's the thoughts produced by the Holy Spirit that lead us to pray. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. Got about one minute left in it. We want to let you know that you can hear this broadcast again by going to our website. NationalPrayerChapel.com That's NationalPrayerChapel.com And if these messages have been helpful to you and this ministry is helpful, would you let us know? I'd love to hear how this is affecting you. We've really gotten no feedback this week. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. You can write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or again, you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. We love you all. I pray this has been helpful to you. We'll talk to you soon. Join us tomorrow from 1 to 2. With great joy Now unto him who is able To keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of his glory With great joy With Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.